0: Well, Harvest, as you know, we're beginning a series in 1 Thessalonians, but I'm going to ask, would you please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to start out with? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, We were in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 here a few Sundays ago. Uh, you can see the slide up on the side that we had on that Sunday that lists out the various things about uh, love, agape, as that chapter talks about love is patient, agape is kind, it does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, love Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Agape never ends. Um, I want for you to look at the very last verse of 1 Corinthians thirteen because it has kind of a triad of uh, three words there that are key to what uh, Scripture really is all about. Here, First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, it says, "So now, at the conclusion of chapter thirteen, faith, hope." And love, agape, abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. If I were just to toss those out to you and, uh, and you were to take them in any setting, at any kind of time, and just hear the words, the, the, uh, faith, hope, love, I'm gonna kind of ask it this way. Where do you see those words at? Uh, what do I mean by that? Where where are they taking place in the whole? Where where do you see them uh, actually happening? And let me kind of just make a bring that because it's kind of a hard question in certain aspects of it. But let me just kind of answer it for us. I think that when we hear the words faith, hope, and love, we generally think of them as something internal, something that's internal. I mean, my faith. Uh, it's my faith. It's an internal thing. It's, it's hope. It's my hope. And, and that's kind of an internal thing. Love oftentimes is kind of taken as that internal thing, that feeling that I feel when I feel a feeling that I feel uh, kind of a thing. And, and they're oftentimes so grabbed, so internalized. Um, we see them as kind of, I'll use the term, we see them as underground, kind of within us. And I'll just state it on the table. That's part of the problem. It's part of the problem. What's partly interesting is that Scripture really talks mostly about faith, hope, and love, uh, not so much underground. It certainly does, but it really talks about them above ground, what's happening with faith, hope, and love above ground. And when they become so internalized with it, uh, and they're kind of viewed as these below ground personal individualized virtues, it really leads to some problems. In fact, I'm just going to put it out on the table that, that I think that when we have this idea of faith, hope, and love as this self-internalized virtue that resides deep below the ground within me, uh, we end up being, uh, I'll just use the very highly theological term, we end, God's people end up being very wussified. Um, and... Uh, it's kind of like, where's the faith? Where's the hope? Where's the love? Well, it's all internal. Um, and by the way, I'm just going to add this as a guy and, and, and four men. I actually think this is one of the greatest reasons why so many men oftentimes struggle to follow the Lord. Because oftentimes they end up seeing and hearing and perceiving that following the Lord is like living in a Hallmark movie. And, um, you know, hoping and... Faith and love, and, and it's, it's all warm and cuddly and internal. Um, that's not the picture of it in Scripture. In fact, I think the picture of it in Scripture is really this idea of gladiators and gladiorettes. Okay? It, it, it's, it's this idea of faith, hope, and love are lived above ground. Yes, certainly, they have an underground reality, but they are lived out in the war above ground. And we're going to see this in Thessalonians. In fact, would you turn there now? Turn to the right in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, I believe we're page 986, if you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there. Um, Faith, hope, and love. Uh, We're in verses 2 and 3 today. I told you I'm going slow. I'm going throw, slow through this book, but we're just going to be covering verses 2 and 3 today. I want to note this. Verses 2 and 3 are only a half of a sentence in the Greek. In the Greek, the sentence goes from verse 2 to verse 5. And we're only covering half a sentence. And normally I don't do that because I don't want to cut up a sentence. I don't want to cut up a thought. And oftentimes when we're going through the epistles, I'll grab paragraphs with it. But I'm going slow this time. And so I want it on the table for everybody to know that that we're only covering half a sentence. And that's important because if you're only covering especially half of a sentence, that means you're only covering half of a full sentence thought. Okay, so today is only half the sentence. So think of it this way. There's, there's, there's part A thought plus part B thought equals the full sentence thought. Okay? We're on part A thought today. That means that next Sunday part B thought carries into part A thought to be able to finish the full sentence thought. With me? Okay, and so that's really important to understand. And I say that because there's an aspect of today and with this sermon, I think that we could leave and kind of thinking that it's like, man, faith, hope, and love. I just got a man up. I just got a woman up and I just got to work harder at it. Part A thought is followed by part B thought. Come next Sunday and let's finish the thought. But I want for us to kind of drill down into part A thought because of this faith, hope, and love and the particular way that Paul, Silas, and Timothy term it. And I want us to get a a better understanding of what faith, hope, and love is today. And I want us to walk away having a sense that, man, I have responsibility for this. And next Sunday, we're going to come and understand more the source for being able to live it out fully. All right, so let's try and grab the understanding. Let me start with verse 1, since we only have three verses. Here we go, Uh, verse 1. Paul, uh, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, uh, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. By the way, just a couple comments there about all of that. Uh, The background is Paul, Silas, and Timothy and we covered that last Sunday and hopefully there are some things that are coming to mind with you about them and and their movement on that. They're in Thessalonica here. Where did Thessalonica come from? Real quick Alexander the Great died in 323 BC. He had a kingdom just an empire and he divided that up between five of his generals. One of them was uh, Antipater and Antipater only lived for a few years and then Cassander took over. Kind of King governor for this territory in it. And he married uh, a wife whose name was. Thessalonica. Hey, that's interesting because he ended up taking this about 26 or 29, I don't remember which one one of those, the number, about a couple dozen villages, pulled them all together into one city, right on the the Aegean Sea, right where one of the main highways back in the day went through. And he pulled all these villages together and made them the city, named them after his wife, who, by the way, he married so that he could be able to have more strength and power uh, in the whole thing. Yeah, feeling the love there. And, and, And then in it, so they went through some wars they went through some hard times There were various things taking place over the years and anyway what it ends up happening is over about 300 years Thessalonica ends up becoming a capital city for this territory they're a metropolis it, it's a moving place it's, it's kind of like I might say Indianapolis you might say Indianapolis isn't too much a moving place I think it is all right. So Indianapolis is a big city and kind of that was the case there with what's going on with it and the people had strong economy you had all kinds of people who were there there were all kinds of people doing all kinds of spiritual things they thought they were very religious spiritual people even though they really weren't and, and, and as far as worshiping the one true God. And yet, Paul, Silas, and Timothy show up there and share the gospel, and we'll learn more of the story of what takes place there. But this is a cool place that they're in. And, and, and so Paul, Silas, Timothy come to these people, and they become God's people in this place. I love that. In God the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. His church is held in, in him. Grace to you, peace to you. By the way, let me just comment on the feel of this we'll pick this up more as we go through it this is a lovely book if I can say that as a guy this is a lovely book this is the kind of thing where Paul Silas and Timothy love these people this is not the kind of letter that's written that's like to Corinth this is the kind of letter that's written from guys who love the people they're ministering to in fact let me just kind of put up on the screen this it's about disciple makers who love their disciples hey, hey, Harvest we have talked about for years now nearly a decade now that we want to be a church that raises disciple makers that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples we want to raise disciple makers and one of the things about that ends up meaning and we'll see out of First Thessalonians here I pray over the coming months is we're going to see that one of the core things is that if you're going to be a disciple maker you love other people You love them. Uh, I mean, not because you have to, uh, but you love them sincerely in this. And we're going to see this as it works out from this. And so, verse 2, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, we give thanks to God always, for all of you, constantly, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's work this out. Let's break this out. Verse 2. Disciple makers love their disciples with constant, thankful prayer. Disciple makers love their disciples with constant, thankful prayer. In verse 2, there's two core verbs that are taking place here. The first one is giving thanks. In the Greek, it's present, active, indicative. That means that it's presently, actively, and continuously it's not an action, that's an heiress form. It's not an action, it's not a past action. It's an ongoing action. Paul is essentially saying, man, I want to tell you, by the way, notice the first word, we, that's the three of them. There's a corporateness together in this praying that's going on. And the three of them, it's like, we, we, we give thanks for you guys, like, presently, actively, and continually, It wasn't a week ago. It wasn't three weeks ago. It wasn't 10 years ago. It's just I want for you to know whenever you come to mind and whenever we are praying for you, I just want for you to know we give thanks for you. What an awesome truth. The ministry's not easy, is it? I mean, if we're loving on people and we're trying to minister to them, Um, sometimes we end up getting all keyed in on what's so wrong with them. And I love here they're starting out with, I just want for you to know straight up on the table, when I think of you, the guys in Thessalonica, we just give thanks for you all the time. All the time. All the time. Oh, cool. Second verb is making mention of. It's making mention of. It's, It's mentioning you, by the way. It's not we give thanks to God all the time and then we talk about us in our prayers. It's we give thanks to God always for all of you. By the way, they're not giving thanks to each other for them. They're giving thanks to God for them, for all of them, constantly, mentioning them in our prayers. And notice the form or the place where they're doing this. They're telling them that here they are, if you will, at the feet of the Father, at the feet of God the Father, talking to God the Father in prayer. And the thing that they are mentioning to God the Father all the time is all the things they are thankful for these people. Hey, Father, I just want you to know how gloriously thankful we are for these people. Thankful, thankful, thankful. Not just thankful, thankful, thankful. God, he says, you know, we're just so thankful. Thank you for you to letting us be able to be around these people. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How cool. How cool. Thankful all the time. And I'm just sitting here and I'm just pondering is that me? Is that you? Is that us? You know, and the sad part of it is we are absolute masters at looking and considering all the little things that aren't quite going right. Is that not true? I mean, we live in a world that that, that's that way. Just turn on the news. ay ay, It's just everything that's going wrong. And then you're around other people at work or at school, and just the conversations about, every, about everything that's bad. Were there some hard things going on in Thessalonica? Yeah, there were. And we'll get to them. Did Paul and Silas and Timothy have potential things to gripe about and complain about? (laughs) Yeah, they did. In fact, Father, like, what's going on with them? You know, Billy Bob. What's the deal with Billy Bob, God? And what, could you give us like 10 of the non-Billy Bobs and like get rid of Billy Bob, God? God. That's not what's going on. These are just guys who are like, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for these people that you have given to us that we get to love on. More of that in us, Harvest. More of that in us. More of that in me. More of that in our elders. More of that in our pastors. More of that in our small group leaders. More of that in our children's ministry. More of that as parents. More of that as teens. More of that as spouses. Thank you, God, for my spouse! Thank you, Lord, for my kids! What's, what's the ratio of? Come on, God! Would you get on her? Would you like, get on him? Because I'm annoyed. (laughs) Constantly remembering them in their prayers. Hey friends, making disciples begins on our knees. Making disciples begins on our knees. And let's just be straight up. It's the hardest place to go consistently. Consistently. Because there are so many other activities we can do on our knees for one another. So, can you give me a prayer program? No. Just more. Just pray. Thankfully, right? Thankfully, disciple makers love their disciples with constant, thankful prayer. Uh, a third, or verse three disciple makers love their disciples with face down remembering. Uh, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And verse three remembering before our God and Father your. Work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. Let's hit on each of these. Number one, uh, remembering in prayer their working faith, their, their working faith. It, by the way, it's notice here, it's not an internal, invisible belief system faith. They're not saying, oh God, thank you so much for, that they, they, they bought into our belief system. They're, they're not praying that. What am I talking about here? It, 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 they're talking about what, what, what was lived out. Most likely what's happened in all of this in the, in the movement of time is they had to hightail out of town in the middle of the night. We'll talk about that more another Sunday as, as we get into the text of it all. And Timothy has probably gone back, checked in on them and come back and given a report to them on what's going on. And, and what does Timothy report on? Timothy reports on the things that he can see above ground. Because what's happening above ground tells you what's going on underground. And he comes back and he tells them what's taking place and all of this. And, and, and it's in it, it's like, oh God, we were remembering their faith, their work of faith. Do you see that it says that? Their work of faith. They're, they're talking about their faith that's lived out, the faith that's being seen. Yes, there is faith that is underground, but it's not bunkered underground. It's to come out of the underground and to be lived above ground. Faith has a below ground core to it, lived out in an above ground reality of it all. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the four soils. I come back to that all the time because that is just what this is, such the picture. In soils 2 and 3, it says that it receives the seed, but there's really no lasting uh, production of fruit out of it. There's not really much above ground going on. Jesus is like, no, no, not that, not that, no, no, not that, soil number four. Soil number four, it's the soil that's been tilled up. That's what fruitful soil is. and sometimes hard things of life just grind in and till us, turn us upside down. Why? To get us ready to receive the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the soil receives the seed and puts everything that it is into the seed and it becomes about the seed, not about itself. And it begins producing out of that, producing a fruit that is increasing and maturing and more and more and more. And how do you know what the ground is doing? You know what the ground is doing by what's coming out of the seed above ground. Every time, if you planted it, like our, our neighborhood, our neighborhood, you know, they come, they take like all the soil off of our neighborhood and sell it to people and then leave you with all the junk. Is that your neighborhood? I don't know. That's our neighborhood. And then it's like they dig your basement. And what do they do with the stuff that's like eight, 10 feet underground? That's your topsoil. <laughs> and so, so then you go and you plant trees in stuff that's like eight feet under. We've had, like, so many evergreen trees die. Why? Because of the soil stinks. But plant it in fertile soil. And how do you know if it's fertile soil? You know if it's fertile soil when that thing just takes and goes. How do you know it's not good soil? Because you look at what's happening above ground. And you look what's happening above ground and here they are remembering their faith 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 is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel knowing that God promises a good result faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel knowing that God promises a good result out of it and that good result is divine by him because it might be my maturity might, might be my growth in faith And it's the trusting that what God is doing, it's the application of that. Listen, friends, he is not talking about a belief system. He is talking about a faith that is put into practice. And I... (laughs) I have been hit this week completely unexpectedly with this text. From the standpoint of I've been sitting back this week, bear with me, and asking myself, what am I really doing where my faith is really put purposely in front of it all? And I just got to tell you straight up front, part of what's going on is I'm like, oh my word, I am doing so much in my own strength. Listen, this is kind of one of those things. Don't be easy on yourself. Don't be easy. Don't crush yourself. Don't crush yourself. But don't be easy on yourself. This is the kind of thing where faith, when it's applied, is put in front. Wait, what's going on right now in my life? What's going on? What's going on? My faith, my faith, my faith. Listen, listen. Uh, 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 faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God brought... Wait, what does God's word say about this situation right now with what's taking place and, and how I can be applying that to this and how I can then that be... That's a purposed effort. Instead of just kind of going through life and, yeah, I'm a guy of faith. It's kind of like, what's with that? Faith is out front. Faith is not the backpack. When faith is lived above ground, it's put into practice. It shows. It's here. It's there. It's everywhere. Not as a latter thought, but as a front thought. And I've been asking myself, what's different about these guys? That Paul, Silas, and Timothy are looking at them and they're going, hey. These are people who are doing a work of faith. They are working out their faith. They are after the work of the Lord. What's different? What's different? What's different? They were in a metropolis. They were in a metropolitan city. They were, things were happening. There's so much that is similar to there that's going on in our culture around here. What's kind of the one thing? What's, is, is there something that's different there? And friends, I'm just gonna mention it and we're gonna hold on to it till later, but I think the difference is persecution. And they were. And we aren't. Oh, but Doug, we are. No, no, we really aren't. And here's the thing even as a church, when things are going well, it's easy not to put your faith out front of it all and lead with it. It's easy just to walk in it and have it as a back item. Hey, we are blessed but let's put our faith out front. What's going on in your life right now? We're faith in the Lord and trusting that the Lord is in this. It has to be put out front. Let's keep moving because number two, remembering their laboring love, remembering their laboring love, Love, interesting in how this is stated. By the way, love here, it's just like in 1 Corinthians. It's, it's not an internal, it's not an invisible, it's not a warm and fuzzy Hallmark kind of a thing. It's not, oh, Father, they are such warm people. Oh, Father, they're warm to each other. They love each other. Oh, Father, they're just, they were so warm and kind and generous to us. It's beyond that. It's talking about this term of agape because all of those things that I just said, that's what kind people do. Can I say this? An atheist can do that. An atheist can be kind. But agape love can't do that without the Lord. Because agape love is, is something quite different. Uh, again, let's, let's bring the slide up from the... Uh, from, uh, th- this is what agape love is. All those things that referenced earlier, it's patient and it's kind. It's not envious. It's not boasting. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not insistent. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It's not rejoicing at wrong, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And all of those never end. Oh, my word. And yet Paul, Silas, and Timothy are before the Father. That's a place you generally need to be honest, Right? <laughs> And they are saying, Lord, we thank you for these people because that is happening among them. They're not perfect, but that was happening with them. That was going on with them. And by the way, it's not just agape. In the Greek, it's kapas agape. It's, it's the word labor. It's, it's actuating. Actu- is that the word? <laughs> yeah, that word, accentuating. I'm not that smart. So it's not just that, that's agape, but actually it has the front word on it that's saying a laboring that. It's literally this idea that with the word before agape in the Greek, it's it's arduous work. It's a wearying, toilsome reality. It's a labor that's done to a point of utter exhaustion, it never ends. It's an exerted sacrificial love that is only done on purpose. We're to be loving people, right? We're to be agape-like people, right? But I think what's going on here is that, again, it's not underground love. It's above-ground love, and it's not backpack love, or it's just like there. It's just kind of who we are. It's out front. Because, listen, you don't do arduous, laboring love Naturally. You have to purpose to do that. By the way, the scriptures say uh, we're to agape the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And that means there are times in life where agape with the Lord, loving the Lord, is arduous and takes effort and work and it's laborious and it's hard. True? And keep laboring at it. That's what I love about the Psalms. Like like these people, it's like, oh, Lord, show up. We're also to love others. Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Here it is. Love the Lord, agape the Lord, with all your heart, soul, and mind. I'm going to add another one right along with it. Agape others with all your heart, soul, and mind as well, by the way. And that means that loving others is hard. That, that would be a great place just to be honest and go, amen. Loving is hard. Amen. Loving other people is really hard. It's labor intensive. It's exhausting. It's wearisome. It's arduous. It's inconvenient. I love convenient love don't you because it's just so convenient it just works it's just easy it's just enjoyable and praise the lord for those times true amen but that's not what this is talking about this is talking about father as the three of us are here before you remembering these folks oh and we thank you again by the way lord did we tell you how thankful we are for them uh, Lord, we're just remembering with them. Those are people that work hard at laboring in love. By the way, what's different about them? Well, what's the setting that might be different among them? Well, why is it that they're pulling this out of? Again, I come back to one thing. Persecution. Because when life is going easy and life is going simple and life is going well... Why do I have to work faith? Why do I have to labor in love? Because it's just happening. But these guys are working at putting their faith into action and are copos laboring their love. It's hard and they're going at it. I mean, this is like the church in Smyrna. Same thing. Where the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 2 says, you guys got it going on. And what's a key thing with them? They are having the living lights persecuted out of them. And when persecution doesn't happen, when life isn't hard, it's just easy not to do these. But that shouldn't be the case. We should be doing these all the time. Well, working faith, laboring love, number three, their enduring hope. Their enduring hope. By the way, it's not an internal, invisible, willy nilly, gee golly wish hope. It's an external, visible hope. It's a hope that shows why in the world are they doing what they are doing? Seriously, why in the world would they do that? Something's driving them, right? Uh, And what is it? It's a steadfast hope. Hebrews chapter 11, the beginning of that, talks about how faith is an assurance of, it's a confidence of, and it's driven by a similar assurance, assured and confident hope. What is our hope? Come back next Sunday, and we'll finish it out. But I can't just leave it empty like that. What is their hope? Their hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a grammatical question to be asked, actually, in the movement of the grammar. So if that's one, if you love the grammar, just an item to consider it through. Because one of the, the things is, is in the Lord Jesus Christ tied to all three? You know, you can say work of faith, labor of love, steadfast hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all or three are in there. And there's a truth of that from Scripture. I think grammatically, though, it actually, the, in our Lord Jesus Christ is tied directly to the hope. That's the anchoring, the tighter point of where that statement is holding up It's not a hope that, that things are going to get better. It's not a hope that things are going to get lighter. It's not a hope that I'm going to get what I, want for, what I want for Christmas. It's a hope in. It's a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, remember Easter Sunday if you were here? Bigger than a dump truck bigger than a Boeing 787, bigger, bigger, bigger than the sun, bigger than the stars, bigger than the galaxy, bigger than our universe. What is the power that is bigger than it all? Answer, the one that created it all. Colossians chapter 1, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I gotta tell you, someone comes up and says, oh man, let me give you some hope. Let me give you some hope. And isn't that encouraging when people do that, when they love on when love on each other like that, with things like that? But it's like, listen, hey, that's really cool and all, but I gotta tell you, where's the hope at? The hope is at the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the hope is at. Because he is the one who conquered sin. Because he is the one that was victorious over death. Because he is the one that John falls down in Revelation 1, thinking he's going to die because he's so awesome? And like John's a cool dude with the Lord. Agreed? And I would think there would be guys who would come to Lord Jesus Christ and give him a high five. Like, dude, we walked around for three years. This is awesome. No, he's on the face thinking he's going to die because he's so magnificent and so big. And who's the one after in Revelation to where who, who, who can open the scroll? Who can open the scroll that's sitting in the Father's right? Who, who's able to do that? No, we've gone to the heavens. We've gone to the earth. We've gone all around. We've asked everybody. I mean, I, I, we've asked everybody. And nobody, not even an angel, not, not even the, the, the 24 presbyteros, not the four creatures around. No, 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 no one. And then the lion. The lion who is the lamb. Then he walks in. He is the only one who can take it out of the Father's hand. Boom! Behold our God. That's the one where the hope is at. Hey, when life is just like going like all the pot, maybe that's a bad way to say that. (laughs) It's just all going downhill. Who's the one you have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Even when we don't get it. Even when His own words don't seem to make sense. Oh, Friends, He's got it. He's got it. And these are people who are living steadfastly in that. By the way, why did they need to live steadfastly in a hope? because they were getting persecuted. And there is something about when you're pushed and you're pressed, be, be, honestly, beyond some of the things that we experience on an ongoing basis. There's something about that that causes us to grab a hold of our faith deeper and apply it, to labor in loving the Lord and others deeper and to hold on to the hope because, my goodness, what's going on right now, this is not hopeful. And when you don't have persecution, my point is, we have to make sure we put it, not the persecution, but we put the faith and the hope and the love on. So let me take it this way. The... the, the Sunday before Easter, we went to Second Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. I'd kind of like to grab a hold of that and close with that idea here. What's one thing going on in your life right now? Just one thing that's grabbing your attention. What's one thing for you that's going on in your life right now? Just One. I don't know what it might be. It might be re- relationship situation. It might be work situation, school situation, finance situation. I have no idea. Well, what's one thing that's going on right now? And, and let me just ask this. Could, could, how about you take today and you consider where faith fits into that? Where your faith fits into that? Faith. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel. So maybe it's like, well, man, I, I don't know what my faith says because this is my faith. This is what tells me what my faith is. And maybe I need to get some help and, and find out what God's word has to say about my situation right now. But, but what does God's word have to say about your situation? What does the Lord have to say about your situation? A- and put it into play. Put it into play by faith. And then labor and love in it. How can laboring of love be done in this right now? Maybe it's putting up with someone. Maybe it's enduring with them. Maybe it's in your own mindset with other people. Maybe it's with the Lord right now. Where's hope in this? A steadfast hope. I don't know what's going on in your life, but seriously, just imagine if you would take this one thing and just do that and put it in. And all of a sudden, this stuff starts becoming part of our life. And then imagine this as life is going on during the day and something comes up and it's like, I'm a faith, hope, love. But listen, right now, right now, the guy's talking to me on the phone and he's yelling at me, I don't know if that's at your work situation. It's like, how, how does that play? How does that play? Wait, love, agape love. I need to love this. How can I help? How can I love? Faith, hope, love all the time. Faith, hope, love here. Faith, hope, love here. Faith, hope, love here. Faith, hope, love here. Faith, hope, love here put in active, above-ground reality. Let me finish this way. I wanted you to envision Paul, Silas, and Timothy as though they are kind of looking over the landscape. They're not in Thessalonica, but they're kind of gazing over the landscape of Thessalonica, and they're looking at God's people, and and, uh, let's go to the slide of the forest. And it's like they look over and they see the faith, hope, and love multicolored scene of God's people showing above ground. Not a desert. It's not like they're looking over Thessalonica and there's like nothing growing above ground. But, but they're like looking over, th- if this was, this isn't, but if this was Thessalonica and they're like looking over it and they're seeing and coming back. Oh Lord. Look at, there's faith of red and hope of yellow and love of orange, and it's just growing up everywhere, and it's just declaring, and it's just literally plastering the city of Thessalonica. God's people are. What a cool way to be able to step back and go, Thank you, God, you are at work in your people, and your people are at work with you. people of working faith, people of laboring love, people of enduring hope. Let me send you out with what's one thing right now, today, this week, that you can put those into reality. Lord, part A thought is on the table. Faith, hope, love. Love. More comes next week. Especially to finish off the understanding of it all. But Lord, our, our faith, our hope, our love in Christ for those who are redeemed in Christ is not just to float along. It's not just not kind of like be stuck in our backpack or, or be held below ground. Oh God, it's to be put into place. It's to be put into action. It's faith that is worked out in the circumstances of life. It's a laboring love like Christ walking down the Via Della Rosa. It's that kind of love, even when it's inconvenient, when it's hard. And yet a purposed faith and a purposed love that is driven by a whole. Honestly, Lord, not a hope that it would soon, the trial would soon get over, but a hope in who you are. A hope in that what's taking place will bring you great glory. A hope that You are work. A hope that You are a marvelous God who sees all things, knows all things. God, You are not a pampering God. You are not here to make our life easy. You are here as a God to love on us and to perfect us, to be more like You and to work us over and around and through to be able to grow us, to be more like Christ. I pray we would be that, increasingly so. And in it, God... I thank you for these people. Oh my. I thank you for the people of this church who in so many ways are living a working faith, a laboring love, and a steadfast hope. They're living that in their homes. They're living that in their workplaces, in their school. They're living that in their relationships. They're living that out here on Sundays with us. They're living that in their small groups. They're living that with our children in our kids' ministry. I thank You, God. I'm a lucky pastor. I'm a blessed pastor. Because I get to be with these people and I don't want any others. And God, in our thankfulness, I pray for more. More faith. More love. More hope. Constant, increasing, pouring out above ground reality of living worship of who You are. Poured out on You. Poured out on each other. Poured out on and lived before those who don't know You as their Savior. Thank you for these people, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for these people. In Christ's name, amen.